0: Welcome back to another episode of Win Championship Repeat Boston Sports Podcast, and we're going to start with some Celtics stuff, potentially adding in a third star, maybe the end of Tatum and Brown, and then we're going to look at, I saw this um, little article about potentially the Red Sox going after Trevor Story, I'll talk about what that could be, if he fits, and then we'll talk about some Patriots stuff, so yeah, let's uh, get started with that and kind of go from there. So... I want to start with the um, situation involving the Celtics. And I was talking about a third star. And this has been brought up uh, twice. First uh, came from ESPN. And it involved Damian Lillard who's been in the news for so much stuff. um, Because of the whole Portland situation. And everything involving... um, you know, Damian Lillard and his potential to be, I guess, on the move, uh, I don't know if he will be, but, um, yeah, that, uh, situation has kind of come about, and apparently there's issues with, um, apparently there's issues with Chauncey Billups, and maybe, you know, he's been interested in playing with Ben Simmons, which is what's basically on all of the news articles, um, but, they also say or also have reported that he's interested in playing with Jalen Brown as well, not just Ben Simmons. So ESPN, you know, kind of went in there, gave their own take, and they ended up throwing out this trade idea, which was the Portland Trailblazers get Juancho Hernan Gomez, Al Horford, Aaron Nesmith, Peyton Pritchard, Dennis Schroeder, four first-round picks, um, and then Boston gets Damian Lillard, CJ Ellerby, Ben McLemore, tony chanel and cody zeller so this was brought up by espn which is interesting for a few reasons number one they don't add in marcus smart and they don't add in robert williams both of which would in my opinion have to be included if you don't include jalen brown and number two i just don't think that while the celtics would take this in a heartbeat i don't think other teams would uh, or at least i don't think portland would take this right if They're not really interested in trading Damian Lillard for Ben Simmons. Why would they do some sort of a deal around basically Peyton Pritchard, Aaron Nesmith, Dennis Schroeder, and a bunch of draft picks? I mean, you assume if Damian Lillard joins in, the first two picks here are going to be in the 20s because Damian Lillard, Jason Tatum, Jalen Brown, Marcus Smart, and Robert Williams, that team's not losing. But when you get to 2026, it's top 10 protected, then top 4 protected, Then it's unprotected in 2027, and the pick in 2028 is top four protected in 2028. And if uh, it doesn't convey from the 2026 protections or whatever, um, then it becomes uh, a second round pick in 2028. So I mean, you might not be getting really too much out of that. This doesn't seem like it really works that much if you're a Portland fan. Obviously, I like it because the Celtics they make out like bandits, but it just doesn't seem like that's really something that um, is going to work uh, if you're a Portland fan. I also like to point out that of the young guys, they get N- Nesmith and Pritchard, who I think are the worst of them. I think Romeo Langford, Grant Williams, uh, and Robert Williams all have a better trajectory projector, than Nesmith and Pritchard, in my opinion. And apparently... Um, ESPN analyst Kevin Pelton made the case why the trade could work for the Celtics and the Blazers. Um, And I'm reading this off of Boston.com, but obviously ESPN, you know, that's where uh, it came from. So here's what Pelton said. From Portland's standpoint, the deal makes the most sense as the start of a full rebuild. Although the Blazers get a pair of 20 20 first-round picks uh, in Pritchard and Nesmith, latter returning to his hometown, um... The bulk of the value is up to four first-round picks over the next seven years. At least one of those would come beyond the scope of Lillard's current contract. They could create huge cap space flexibility in the future. Horford's 26.5 million salary next year is guaranteed for 14.5. Hernan Gomez' 7.5 million is non-guaranteed next year, and Schroeder uh, contract expires. Dealing so many picks would be a huge risk for the Celtics, but Lillard would be the kind of playmaker they haven't had since Kyrie Irving. Um, And uh, in order to make up for losing Horford's size, the Celtics could expand the trade to include guard Josh Richardson to get forward Larry Nance. So at the end of the day, I just don't see this happening. I do see potentially a Damian Lillard swap going to Boston. But I don't know if that's actually going to happen with this sort of deal. Now, Colin Cowherd on his uh, FS1 show two days in a row talked about the Celtics and Damian Lillard and how he thinks it's a perfect situation. He proposed to trade Marcus Smart and Jalen Brown straight up for Damian Lillard because the Trailblazers get a young small forward. They get a point guard who can actually defend and you know can do a lot of those things that you know Damian Lillard can't do and he said that CJ McCollum is like a Damian Lillard light so he's just kind of like the same style of play as Damian Lillard but obviously not you know as good so you would have Marcus Martin there Jalen Brown you'd have uh, CJ McCollum I don't know if they would decide to potentially get rid of Norm Powell or stick with Norm Powell somewhere in their rotation but You know i think that's a little bit more of a idea that the celtics can get behind and i think that's a little bit more of an idea that the trailblazers can get behind because they wouldn't really be rebuilding they would be retooling and they'd be getting stuff that helps them in a bunch of different ways and so i think that's more of a manageable situation for both sides where the other trade from espn seems a little outlandish from the trailblazers side yes they get rid of some cap space but I don't see that being something that they're 100% invested in doing. They kind of would want to retool a little bit. And Colin uh, Cowherd also mentions from the Celtics side of things, Damian Lillard doesn't have to be the number one guy like he is in Portland. Jason Tatum can do that on you know any given night, and so can Damian Lillard. Damian Lillard could be the 1A. He could be the 2 on some nights. They could both have 40-point games. Jason Tatum's great. He hasn't really shown too much in terms of leadership skills, because I do think Marcus Smart and Al Horford kind of take over the leadership skills. Damian Lillard's about as good of a leader as you can get. You would also get to keep Robert Williams. You would also get to keep um, Al Horford, who's a great leader for this team. You would have the ability in the future to clear the deck of a lot of contracts, because you would have Jalen Brown, who's gone. You would have uh, Robert Williams, who's still there and makes $11 million, but he'd be outside of Tatum and Damian Lillard, the biggest contract you have to deal with long term. So, I mean, I think that's a better deal, the one that uh, was brought up by Colin Cowherd, which could easily take place if they actually want to move on from Damian Lillard. Obviously, they've said no to any sort of uh, Damian Lillard trade for Ben Simmons, but I don't know if they would be as uh, exclusive on a Jalen Brown trade because Jalen Brown's a better player at this point. He's actually someone who's playing right now, and he's not unhappy with his situation. So that's something that goes into it, right? Jalen Brown's value is at this point higher than Ben Simmons' value. So maybe while they wouldn't get rid of Damian Lillard for um, Ben Simmons, they have more confidence in Jalen Brown, and so maybe they go in that direction if they want to. I was reading something. This is Clutch ClutchPoints.com, but uh, Jake Fisher kind of put this out there from... Um, the Bleacher Report, which um, Bleacher Report has been known to put a lot of uh, different uh, trade articles up that some of their trades aren't always the greatest, but um, that's something. So according to uh, the reports, it could be a breakup of Jason Tatum and Jalen Brown partnership. So uh, according to Jake Fisher, certain developments within the team over the past few years could eventually lead to the Celtics deciding to pull the plug on the Tatum-Brown duo in Boston. This is an actual quote. Um, This uh, I guess uh, was SiriusXM radio. Uh, He said this, I would say the early returns so far from what I've heard around the league is there's not much interest in this former first round picks that Boston has. From Peyton Pritchard to Romeo Langford to Grant Williams, I think Aaron Esbeth probably has the highest value of the group. It's difficult. That's kind of why they're in a situation they are in right now. They had draft picks after draft pick after draft pick that hasn't netted them anything more than the back of the rotation type of players. They haven't really developed anybody outside of that besides Robert Williams, and that's where they are. So, I would also like to point out that he said this. I think this is definitely the beginning of the end for the Jason Tatum Jalen Brown pairing I don't know if that will get broken up this season but I think sometime in the next 12 to 18 months we're really going to start to hear about the conversations about the future of Boston with Jalen Brown heading out the door now I want to look at a few things that was mentioned first is with the young guys and then I want to look at the Jalen Brown Jason Tatum stuff for a second and then uh we'll go from there so Obviously, these draft picks really haven't panned out outside of Robert Williams. I think Robert Williams will never be an all-star, but could be a starting center for most of his career. He could play 15 years in the NBA, be a dominant center who is very good as a role player. I could see him eventually getting to a Jonas Valanciunas level where he's a double-double guy. Maybe he's Clint Capella level. I don't know. 12, 13 points a game, maybe 11, 12 rebounds a game. Never going to be like an all star, never going to be someone who has like an amazing NBA career, but he is a good center for a good basketball team. That's what I'm going to say on Robert Williams. I like him a lot, and I believe he is a big piece in Boston moving forward. As for the other guys, Peyton Pritchard, Romeo Langford, Grant Williams, Aaron Nesmith, I personally don't think any of these guys will pan out anything more than role players. I think Aaron Nesmith could potentially be a three-point shooting specialist off the bench, a role player on a championship team, somebody who's more of a six-man at best, maybe um, someone who kind of just kind of catch and shoot, maybe, you know, a 3 and D wing off the bench, uh, maybe like Reggie Bullock or something like that. You know, eventually. Peyton Pritchard could be a backup point guard. Maybe he has a ceiling of like DJ Augustine. More likely he's someone like a Michael Carter Williams. Romeo Langford. I think he could be, you know, off the bench. Maybe just kind of a bench wing. Maybe he could be a Wesley Matthews. Or maybe he could be, you know, someone like a Kendrick uh none off the bench or uh Kent Bazemore is probably more where I see him ending up and then Grant Williams to me is more of just a backup Uh, I don't really think there's too much coming from him I think he could easily be sort of your backup power forward long term for any team I just don't see he has a ton of a future which um I think the Celtics had a ton of draft picks and You know, obviously Tatum and Brown hit, but after them it kind of flopped a little bit. And they had so many draft picks that it just, um, it really didn't pan out um, at the end of the day for the team. And I'll just kind of go through and run through the numbers. So, just in recent, their draft picks, they had Aaron Nesmith, Peyton Pritchard, and the 30th pick, which was traded for... um, a few second round picks. Desmond Bain was drafted. He looks pretty good from Memphis. The Celtics, I think, tried to move up and couldn't get anywhere. Uh, Yeah, three draft picks. It doesn't really work for them at all. We also have the following 2019 season in which they had Romeo Langford, which uh, was pick number 14. They had Matthijs de Bule, which was the 20th pick, which they made a trade um, in that one And uh, I think that's where they got the pick from the Memphis pick or the pick they traded with Desmond Bain. Um, That was from uh, Philly. Um, And so there's that. Um, And he wasn't, he's obviously not there. And then Grant Williams uh, right there. So at that time they had three first round picks. Really nothing came of that. Then we slide down to 2018 where they just had one which was Robert Williams uh jason tatum was 2017 nothing wrong there then we go to 2016 where there was jalen brown which i'm happy about that but they also had gershon yabusele Ante zizic and by this point so many other draft picks that they could have traded to maybe do something better instead of having the 16th pick and the 23rd pick they could have moved up and potentially had a pick a little bit closer to where they were at number three and two top 10 picks would have been a lot nicer now after the Jalen Brown draft, um, or I should say, I guess, before the Jalen Brown draft, uh, was that was 2016. They also, in 2016, had uh, a bunch of second-round picks. Nothing really came of that. And then 2015, they had uh, Terry Rozier and RJ Hunter, um, two picks there. And then we have Marcus Smart in 2014. And uh, I'd also like to point out that they had James Young, Lucas uh, Nojera. Uh, Jared Sollinger in uh, Fab Mello in 2012 uh, both those guys 2012 2013 was Lucas Nojera I think that was when they traded for Kelly Olynyk, and then 2014 was Marcus Smart and James Young and James Young didn't pan out so about half these guys didn't pan out or probably won't pan out at the end of the day in my opinion and so yeah a lot of these guys aren't gonna really work out. Draft picks didn't do as well, and they haven't panned out as well. Um, in terms of the Jalen Brown, Jason Tatum thing, um I think we're gonna hear conversations about the future of Boston with Jalen Brown heading out the door. So it's interesting that they basically talk about Jalen Brown's departure, but not Jason Tatum's, assuming that Jalen Brown's the one who gets traded and Jason Tatum is not. Now, Jason Tatum's a two-time all-star. He's been Um, All NBA team. He has the highest trajectory of being an MVP candidate. Jason Tatum is also friends with Bradley Beal uh, through their St. Louis connection. Damian Lillard through his uh, Team USA connection. And at the end of the day, Jason Tatum is the guy who has the brighter future of the bunch. And i think honestly if one person has to stay it is jason tatum and i love Jalen brown for what he does but jason tatum is the guy and i know you're saying oh he might be having an off year jason tatum is the guy and i think of this situation maybe that's where we go and Jalen brown's the one who sticks around uh and maybe jason tatum sticks around who knows but to me 12 to 18 months isn't really that long um I guess the Celtics can still turn things around, but at the end of the day, that's not a long time. I just think there's Damian Lillard rumors, and I think there's, you know, these Jalen Brown rumors, and, you know, this is just one guy who's tweeted a lot of stuff that I don't know if it's actually, um, you know, going to uh, happen. Uh, But, um, you know, it might be the end of this pairing, and I've said it before it might be time to split these guys up because they are very similar in terms of what they play in terms of their style in terms of you know all of that and it could end up being that Jason Tatum sticks around Jalen Brown gets traded and we get another star because no offense I don't know if a lot of big name free agents are going to walk through the door if Jalen Brown and Jason Tatum are here but if you have Damian Lillard and Jason Tatum yeah you're going to get a lot of you know Big names coming through the door. Maybe that's Bradley Beal. Maybe that's Carl Anthony. Towns wants to play here. Maybe that's somebody else wants to play here. You know, these are things that could potentially take place if the Celtics decide to move on from one of these guys. And I don't think they will. But I guess, uh, I guess you never know. So, uh, also I saw from uh, Boston, uh, Boston.com, an article which said NBA insiders speculate the Celtics as a team. Uh, Celtics are a team that could do something during the trade, uh, market or do something interesting on the trade market because they've been one in four in their West coast trip. And, you know, who knows what they're going to do? You know, NBA insiders, they don't say which ones, uh, speculate the Celtics is a team who could be active on the trade market, especially with free agents who were signed over the off season eligible to be traded beginning on Wednesday. So, uh, yeah, um, I don't know. Um, This was actually said by ESPN analyst Zach Lowe. I want to say this carefully. This is just my speculation, only my speculation. The team I'm watching to come off the top rope with something interesting, if uh, they do, is Boston. So he said that, um, I mean, I don't really know what's going to happen, but at the end of the day, maybe uh, Celtics make some moves and we'll kind of see what happens. But there's a lot going on. Maybe the Celtics get involved with the Pacers on some of those players that, uh, um, you know, I think uh, potentially could uh, end up, um, you know, could end up trying to make a trade for Zabonis or Miles Turner or one of those guys. Who knows? But I guess we'll kind of wait and see where they go from here. So that's about as much as I got on them. Um, Obviously, when more news comes, we will look at it. Let's go to the Red Sox for a second. And um, this is... uh, First is an article that came out about one day ago, which actually is from Boston.com as well. Um, And this one, uh, here's the title. Could Trevor Story sign with the Red Sox? Multiple experts believe it's possible. Maybe the Red Sox can give him a place to stay in 2022 until he gets back on his feet. Now, I think Trevor Story is a good shortstop Who could, in theory, transition to second base? Part of me does not believe they would just do this for, like, uh, one year. I don't really see them doing it just for, like, one season and uh, moving on. I would love it if they actually uh, signed him for longer than that. There are a lot of articles saying that he, you know, could be in the market for Red Sox and Yankees. And I think a lot of people just like putting that because, like, same thing with Carlos Correa. They love saying, oh, uh, he Red Sox, Yankees, they're on uh, his list. And then Trevor Story, same thing. Um, you know, oh, he could be on the list. The uh, Boston Sports Journal uh, put out an article uh, a few days ago, and in the title is, How Well Would Trevor Story Fit With the Red Sox? Uh, and, um he talks about why why it would make uh, sense um, because uh, they're exploring various ways to improve and that sometimes adding an area of perceived strength, in this case, the left side of the infield could be an avenue they take. We have enough flexibility and versatility with our roster that gives us you know, flexibility. That's what Charon Bloom said. He could fit in at shortstop or second base. Um, and so... Honestly, I think he would be a good fit here. I think there's a lot of different guys out there in terms of uh, shortstops who could potentially play second base. And one thing you got to do in a time when there is a lot of positional uh, players out there for a certain position, you got to go out there and get that and then make it work, right? If you get one of these big shortstops and you get Trevor Story in there, you can find a way to make it work, whether he plays second base, whether Xander moves to second base. There's ways to make this work. It's not, you know, something that you have to just say, okay, um, you know, he's coming in here, we're going to get rid of Xander, or we're not going to go after him because he's a shortstop, right? You can find ways to make things work, right? And I think they need to go out and get someone like this because of the fact that this season, you know, this offseason, there's a lot of shortstops available. In 2021, he had 132 hits, 24 home runs. He had a batting average of .251. 88 runs, 75 RBIs, 20 stolen bases. He is 29, and yeah, I think that's someone that should interest them. Someone who, honestly, would be a solid shortstop or a second baseman. And you have to kind of take the positions of need, and you have to take that and, you know, go with it. And so, do I think Trevor Story was the first name on the list? No, I think, you know, Mark Simeon or... Javier Baez fit a little bit better because they were shortstops and second basements. But Trevor Story is a pretty solid shortstop. He's had a pretty decent career. Um, 158 home runs. Batting averages 0.272. 450 RBIs. 100 stolen bases. On base percentage of 0.340 for his career. Slugging percentage of 0.523 for his career. And an OPS of 0.863. So honestly, if they go after him great if they don't that's fine but Trevor Story seems like a good shortstop and i'm sure you know he can potentially kind of fill in the cracks they haven't done too much this offseason in terms of adding in big big players you know i just don't really think they've done that and this could be exactly what they do so uh yeah Trevor Story is somebody they should go out and get because They need someone who can kind of fill in and be a good piece. So, uh, yeah, I I think that's kind of where they go. Uh, I mean, is he going to be great? I don't know, but he could be. There was an article that I was reading um, from Fansided. It was a Red Sox article about three players the Boston Red Sox should sign when the lockout ends. And besides Trevor Story on their list, they had Brad Hand, who is a left-handed reliever um they basically have, in this case, some sort of uh, second baseman, whether that's Xander or um, Trevor story and the other one will play shortstop. Brad hand could be in the bullpen uh, and they do need bullpen guys and I think you know, I think someone who uh, could be a good choice. Um, he is uh, gonna probably get you close to 10 11 million. And then uh, it wouldn't be a bad choice. Um, so, yeah, at the end of the day, he could be a good uh, reliever. And they also mention as a third uh, player they should go after, Eric Sogard. Um, he is um, apparently, they say, a Cherum Bloom guy. A veteran player that can get it done on both sides of the game and can move around the infield and is dirt chief in the salary department. Um, and, you know, he's played... In uh, 11 years, Um, he's spent time in both leagues. I think he was with Oakland for a while, with the Cubs. Um, I don't know. I think, uh, you know, Sogard could come off the bench and basically be a bench piece. Let's say they move on from Christian Arroyo and trade him away. Let's say they sign Trevor Story. Maybe Sogard comes in and place you know the bench role as sort of your Brock Holt do it all infielder uh, whether that's second base third base shortstop you could argue that's something they could do and maybe he'd be a good piece there I don't know but if they want to go big which I do think they need to go big Trevor Story's their guy I, I don't really see this being too much of an issue and that's where they should go so uh yeah you know I think that's uh, where we are. So, final thing I want to say on the Red Sox is Big Poppy gets the Legacy Award in Boston. And um, I guess uh, recognized with the Baseball Legacy Award at the New England Sports Museum annual The Tradition event. So, he is a big part of Boston. And um, I guess this is his first year also that he could be eligible for the Hall of Fame and I want to talk about something because it's important to note. He is somebody who was um, basically uh, in some trouble during his career for uh, steroids even though it wasn't actually like proven. Um, There was, um, you know, reports that he might have done steroids and so if that being the case, obviously Um, He may not uh, get in on his first ballot of the Hall of Fame, even though I think he's obviously the best designated hitter of all time and is well-deserving of being a Hall of Famer. If It takes a while for someone who clearly did steroids in Barry Bonds to even get close enough to get in the Hall of Fame. I would honestly think David Ortiz, despite being sort of this fan favorite, I don't know if he would get in, right? A-Rod, I mean, he's also up, and there's a good chance that A-Rod probably doesn't get in right away and I would honestly be 100% surprised if A-Rod gets in and Barry Bonds and Roger Clemens don't get in because to me I think you know they're both great players and A-Rod's obviously a good player as well but at the end of the day um, steroids era baseball those guys might not get into the Hall of Fame and you know I've always felt like um, for me personally Steroid baseball, everybody did steroids. So if you're the guy at the bottom of the bench, you're doing steroids just to stay in the Major League Baseball. If you're, you know, someone who's like the backup catcher, you're trying to stay in baseball. You're doing steroids, right? Pitchers doing steroids. Barry Bonds was not the only one doing steroids. There were great players doing it, like Mark McGuire. There were shitty players who were doing it just to stay afloat. So at this point, you got to say that was part of baseball. That's what people did. And... It's been way too long to have these guys kind of sitting outside of baseball for whatever reason, you know. Pete Rose bet on baseball, and he's not going to be in the Hall of Fame anytime soon, even though now many states allow betting on sports. I don't really know how it makes sense, but I don't think the, the issue of steroids should be an issue now, because it was part of baseball, and if you're complaining about these guys doing steroids... That's not a big issue because everyone probably did it. Or most players probably did it. So, you know, it is what it is. Um, I hope Ortiz gets in. We'll see what happens. Patriots. So, um, I was looking at an article and it looks at uh, NBCSportsBoston.com. It grades the draft picks from 2020 and 2021. Um, I saw this and I just want to look at it for a second and go from there. Um... And so in 2020, their first choice was Kyle Duggar because I believe they traded down um, in this one. Uh, surprisingly, he's doing pretty good. He was a um, second-round pick, but he was also a Division II uh, safety, which, uh, uh, yeah, that's something. He's been very good in a big part of their team, and they gave him an A-, and I'd probably give him the same because he's been pretty solid. Then there's Josh Uchi who was second round pick, 60th overall? Um, B minus is what they gave him. I mean, he had a great start to the season, kind of slowed down a little bit. I mean, I'd probably give him like a C plus, uh, C plus, B minus range. Um, and so, yeah, that's uh, his situation. Uh, then the next pick was Arfreny our, our Jennings, who was third round, 87th overall. Um, I guess uh, he was on a season-ending injury, so I'd probably just give him like an F because he hasn't done anything this season anyways. Devin Asai, tight end. Uh, I'd also... Uh, they gave him an F. I'd give him an F. He hasn't really done anything. Um, zero reception, zero yards, zero TDs. Uh, he played in one game against Cleveland, and that was about it. He hasn't done too much. Uh, Dalton Keene was a third-round pick, 101. And he got an F as well, obviously. Um, Same situation. um, Hasn't done too much. Now they have Hunter Henry and John Smith. They have no use for him. Fifth round pick, 159th overall, was uh, the, I think he was the racist, uh, Justin Rossweiler. He was waived. Um, He hasn't even kicked for the team uh, at all. And they wasted the pick. He gets a big fat F and is probably the worst on this list at all. Then we got uh, guard Michael Awanu. A- is what they gave him. He was a 6th round pick. Um, he has 7 starts in 2021. Um, he actually is pretty decent. Um, and uh, hasn't been one of the worst players out there. And he looks like someone who could have a good future with this team. Then we have 6th round pick offensive tackle Justin Haran. B- is what they gave him. Um, and he... 12 games played. 4 starts. He's kind of filled in when Trent Brown issues. Um, and yeah. I'd give him a B. He's been pretty solid. And then there's 6th round pick. 204 overall. Cass Mayulia. Um, and uh, basically. He was released by the Patriots. And signed with the Titans. To be cut. So no, nothing on him. And then 7th uh, round pick. 230th uh, overall he uh, was someone who retired before training camp he was reinstated in April of this year and the Patriots waived him so he's done then we go to 2021 which has already looked like a great draft because we added in with the first pick uh 15th overall first round pick Mac Jones who they give him an A I give him an A plus he has looked anything but he hasn't looked anything but you know, amazing and is someone who has a bright future as patriots starting quarterback for sure we got christian barrymore second round pick uh 38th overall 31 tackles um 16 solo uh, and two passes defense defensed in 13 games um he got an a from them i give him an a he looks uh, very very good we also traded up to get him then the third uh pick uh third round pick 96th overall Ronnie Perkins they give him an incomplete because he hasn't actually played yet um and I guess I can give him the same because he hasn't played yet either at all um so there's that then we got fourth round pick 120 20th overall Ramondre Stevenson they give him a b plus I give him uh an a minus he's done very well for this team uh and has been very very great with uh James White injuries um so yeah very good then we have uh fifth Round 5th pick, 177th overall, Cameron McGrone, linebacker who they give him an incomplete. He tours ACL in November 2020 and hasn't made a Patriots debut, so he hasn't played, incomplete. Joshua Bledsoe, 6th round pick, 188th overall, incomplete as well because has not played yet in 2021 and has spent a lot of time on the uh, NFL list. Um, uh, I guess uh, he's got potential, but... Uh, he hasn't played yet, so incomplete. I give him an incomplete as well. William Sherman. Um, they give him a B-. minus. Uh, one game played, zero penalties. Um, week 5 against Houston. Um, I just personally have to give him a C. He hasn't really played. He hasn't done much. Um, maybe there's something there, but right now it doesn't look like that. And then 7th uh, round pick, 242 overall, Trey Nixon. Incomplete because uh, Trey Nixon hasn't even played, and I think he's been on the practice squad for the whole time, so there have been some pretty solid players so far, and obviously this year, the first first two picks for sure, uh, first uh, pick Mac Jones, and the second one they went with Christian Barrymore, pretty solid choices, Um, and then you have Ramondre Stevenson, who looks pretty good, Um, Patriots are in first place, obviously winning against Buffalo in a very, very good game, and then they go into the bye week before they play the Colts. Um, Patriots have a very important job, which is to keep Jonathan Taylor uh, from actually doing something in this game. Uh, So we have to obviously uh, hope that uh, their run defense is very good because, um, you know, their passing is not as good. So in the game against Buffalo, there wasn't a lot of passing to be done and the Patriots limited uh, their running, and it worked. In this Indianapolis situation, they don't have the greatest wide receivers compared to the running game, so they got to keep the, the run game in check, and the Colts, maybe something works, and maybe they move on. So, yeah, uh, Patriots uh, got a week off. Hopefully they can prepare and watch film and see what's going on, and uh, they'll definitely be watching the Indianapolis Colts this week to see how they play against their matchup. And yeah, that's kind of where they're going to be. And we'll see where they go from here.